trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table Again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues here in Columbus And all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with Lisa Jackson and Sarah Teal documentary filmmakers of Patrimonio, a story of a small coastal town in Mexico and its three-year battle against an American mega development. And along with these documentarians, we have Bill Lyons of the Ohio Community Rights Network. Lisa Jackson has been producing documentaries for over 35 years and has won two Emmys, a Sundance, Jury Prize, and the Muse Award for, from New York, WIF. New York Women in Film. Thank you. Credits include Sex Crimes Unit, a portrait of prosecutors in the Manhattan DA's office, The Greatest Silence, Rape in the Congo, HBO 2008, Sundance Special Jury Prize, two Emmy nominations, Meeting with a Killer, 2001 Emmy nominee, and The Secret Life of Barbie, ABC 1999 Emmy winner. It happened here about sexual assault on college campuses aired on Pivot in January 2015, and Grazers, a cooperative story premiered at DOC NYC Documentary New York City in 2014, and is being distributed by Collective Eye. She recently received the first ever Legacy Award from the Rocky Mountain Women's Film Festival. Sarah Teal was a producer-director of Kill Chain, the Cyber War on America's Elections, aired on HBO in March 26, 2020, Emmy-nominated for Outstanding Investigative Documentary in 2021. She was also a producer-director on the HBO series The Weight of the Nation, nominated for a Primetime Emmy. Other HBO films she produced and directed include Dealing Dogs, Emmy-nomination Outstanding Investigative Documentary, Hacking Democracy, Emmy-nomination, and Death on a Factory Farm, Bellevue, Inside Out, A Year Inside the Locked Psychiatric Wards at Bellevue Hospital, and Mumia Abu-Jamal, A Case for Reasonable Doubt, HBO Cable Ace Award nomination. She has also produced and directed documentaries for the BBC, A&E, and Discovery. Teal also produced and directed the feature documentaries Grazers, a cooperative story with Lisa Jackson distributed by Collective Eye and Passion River and Patrimonio, which premiered at the Berlin International Film Festival and Full Frame, and is distributed by First Run Features. The Alliance is a co-organizer with Columbus Community Bill of Rights, a group that is working to protect the water of Columbus Metro from toxic radioactive fracking waste. Bill is also the president of the Ohio Community Rights Network, whose mission is to establish a network of just communities in Ohio, working to advance community rights and the rights of nature. Bill teaches mathematics at Columbus State Community College and has taught mathematics and science on four different continents. Welcome. It's an honor to have you on Grassroot Ohio. You've both created so many important documentaries, and we want to hear about your patrimonio, this documentary. First of all, can you tell us what this word means, patrimonio? Patrimony. Yeah, it means patrimony. It means your heritage. Heritage. Right. It's, it's an important word in Todos Santos. They, um, they honor their heritage and their heritage includes, you know, their land, their water, their families. Um, it's, a, it's an important word. Yeah, I noticed them talk about it in the movie. Describe Baja California Sur 
and the village of Todos Santos to give people an idea of the setting of this village? Um, well, Baja is called um, almost an island. It's that little bit of almost an island that runs next to Mexico. It's largely desert all the way down. Um, it's an incredibly beautiful area. And to drive from Los Angeles all the way down the Baja is um, uh, an amazing experience. And Todos Santos is a small town on the Pacific side, close to the bottom. Um, we're not too far from Cabo San Lucas, um, but it's a small town of about five, 6,000. Um, but it's, it's growing and it's growing quite fast. Um, and what started happening when Lisa and I started filming is part of a, a sort of growth, but this particular development was not something that anybody wanted. So can you give our audiences a preview of the story? I mean, we don't want any spoilers because people will be able to view this movie this next week. So give us an idea of, of this story and why you decided to take this on. Let's start with you, Lisa. Um, the story is compelling for a lot of reasons. It's a classic kind of David versus Goliath story. And the main characters are the fishermen um, who are a very sort of isolated, uh, introverted uh, part of the community, but their beach was being invaded by this multinational corporation. Uh, they felt the tip of the spear of this huge development that eventually was going to be many five-star hotels and almost 5,000 homes. So they, they began on the beach and we began just after, just after the first surveyor's stakes were put in there. We just kind of stumbled upon the story and, and some great characters. And, you know, they're, they're, they're those films where you sort of, they're, it's like a train ride and you get, you, you get on and you don't know what the destination is. And it was three years of this battle to uh, reclaim the beach and reclaim the town. So you stumbled on it. I mean... What, did you look, find it in the news? This was going no, on? No, no, no we, um, fish, isn't that right? We, we, um, my husband has had a house in Todos Santos for 35, 38 years now. Okay. Um, uh, when it was really teeny tiny and there were no roads into town. Um, and I should have explained that Todos Santos is an oasis. It, Baja is mostly desert. And then you come to Todos Santos and it's incredibly green but it has a limited amount of water. Um, the water is in a sort of bowl and, and it's sponge-like and very limited and can cut off. And uh, so their concern was not only the 5,000 houses and the hotels and everything, but it was for the water, the water for everyone. And that is continuing to be a, a huge concern. But we had invited, Gordon and I, my husband and I had invited Lisa to come visit and um, Gordon had actually seen the or original stakes in the ground and he was like, that's it, we're leaving. It's the end of everything. And Lisa and I just, Lisa picked up a camera and we went down and we just, we'd heard that the fishermen were fine with this, that they'd been paid and we went and just asked them. Um, and that was the beginning. <laughs> that was the beginning. They weren't happy and they hadn't been paid. <laughs> so do you both speak Spanish? Lisa speaks beautiful Spanish. Uh, and she yeah. learned to speak fisherman Todosantanian Spanish. I have a close friend here who said, Oh, you speak such beautiful Castilian Spanish. And three years later, you sound like a fisherman's wife. <laughs> it's a particular, a particular argot. And it's yeah. uh, profanity laced. 
Yeah. I learned that if you learned just, you know, laced everything that I attempted to say with a lot of swear words, I'd do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about um, this fisherman co cooperative, this group. Tell us a little bit about their daily, how they use this land, this beach. The Pacific coast is really rocky, very, very challenging. And this, this little section of it, there's a big point that creates a little basin which is the only place they have for miles around that they can safely uh, launch and, and return their ships. And they launch by first boat goes in getting pushed by 12 men and throws a line and then pulls the second boat in, the second boat pulls the third boat in. And when they uh, come, come back, when they dock, they come right up onto the beach. They literally catch a wave and uh, drive their, their boats up onto the beach. Uh, there, there are two cooperatives. We focused on one because the other one had been sort of bought by the, uh, by the developers. And how many? Like 30, 40 members. But um, most of them have, uh, are second, third, fourth generation fishermen. And they have big outboard motors where their fathers rode. Uh, they they have large fish with, with lines on, uh, wrapped around their fingers. It's amazing to watch. So they and, didn't, they didn't they fish with nets. No, they don't fish with nets. No, nets are illegal. Yeah, and they fish for off small pangas, small boats, with just two or three or possibly four of them there. And uh, Open boats, open, yeah. completely open, no shade. It's, it's harsh. So this development that was coming in that actually is somewhat still there was proposed to be huge. I mean... Talk about that American development and how what what these fishermen could do to protect their access. Um, well, the, the, the development was both American and Mexican, actually. Um, it was an American uh, company called Black Creek that are based in Colorado. Very, very large. And they had Mexican partners called Mira. And Mira owns most of the land that Walmarts are on. And so Mira is huge. They're in Mexico City. And because we are not far from Cabo San Lucas, and it used to be that Todos Santos was very cut off, but now there's a four-lane highway. <laughs> they thought, yeah. right, that's it. We're going to, you know, build this massive development there. It's the next Tulum. It's the next whatever. But they didn't count on Todos Santanians, who are tough. <laughs> and um, because Baja has been separated from Mexico for so long, they're incredibly independent. They've been left alone. Um, they are not about to roll over and give up. Um, that's why Lisa and I love them. <laughs> and they didn't. So, Lisa, you explain what they did. <laughs> well, the, the resistance just uh, grew and grew. Uh, they had the support of a, of a, of a local kid turned um, uh, activist lawyer, um, a marvelous character named John Moreno. Everybody knows him as the guy with the waist-length ponytail. And he uh, came on the fisherman's side about six months into the fight. And um, it was clear from the start that um, some pockets had been lined. Nobody had any permits. Um, that they, we never saw over the course of all those years any piece of paper that says, you know, you own this land, you're allowed to build here. No, they were taking water legally. And 
the pushback started almost, you know, uh, as soon as John came on in, in terms of um, really deep investigation into the permits, um, who they were, what their intentions were, where were they, where were they going to get the water, how many units, the impact that, that that many people would have on the town would change its personality completely. Um, so, yeah, they uh, began to file lawsuits, denuncias, as they call them, um, and tried to get the uh, get it shut down. They blockaded the road was the big deal. They blockaded all access of construction equipment to the hotel that was under construction. That went on for, what, four months, five months? Yeah. Yeah. So, and there were, there were many mar street marches, countless trips to La Paz, which is the municipal capital, and picket, picketing at the, the governor's uh, office. And yeah. They kept pretty, hoping yeah. that the governor would come in and realize that this was illegal, that there were, they didn't have the permits, they didn't have the right, and that the governor would come in and shut it down. But of course, later it turns out that the governor was completely in on this. Um, so, and, and at one point when they'd been blockading the road for several months, they sent in, not only they sent in the federal, the state and the local police, like fully armed. How many of them were there, Lisa? A lot. There were, oh, yeah. It was, it, six or 700. Yeah, awful, huge. And they'd sent them in very early in the morning. We were staying at our house and we get to hear this yelling outside, you know, Lisa, Sarah, get down here. And, and the good thing about filming is, you know, they had been beating the fishermen. Um, we turn up and they, they stopped, which was mm. good. Um, it eventually turned out that they didn't have the permit to do what they had been done. The governor had just sent them. They didn't have the right to do it. And John found this out and came, comes running with the piece of paper and they all had to turn around and go home. But it was... <laughs> It, it escalated, everything escalated, and then it all turned on John. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio, and I'm interviewing Lisa Jackson and Sarah Teal. They have, are documentary filmmakers of Patrimonio, and their film will be available next week with the Ohio Community Rights Network. I would just like to bring in Bill real quickly. Bill has seen the movie, I've seen the movie, and it uh, reminded me very much when the um, police came to the, to the blockade, of um, Standing Rock, mm -hmm. um, they had that same feeling of you know the the force against the people protecting their water, mm -hmm. and in Columbus, Ohio, right now we have Intel, the largest Intel factory is going to be built in the middle of farm field, just mm -hmm. north of Columbus, um, northeast in uh, Johnstown, and many many people knew nothing about this happening until it was a done deal, so this is happening. We know we're very familiar about this kind of activity behind the scenes um, in Ohio. Right, Bill? Yeah, sure. are. Yeah. And Bill is producing this film series um, where Lisa and Sarah are presenting their film this next week. And we'll let Bill explain everything at the end of the of the show, how they can watch it. But Sarah, let's continue. I'm sorry to take a break, but let's go on with what you were talking about. No, um, the, 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 the other reason that this film has, has now been shown all over the world, you know, it premiered in Berlin and Lisa and I went, we went with John actually and his wife. And the reason that it resonates is because every country in the world knows this, mm. knows what it feels like to have, in particular, your water threatened. 
Mm. But, you know, with massive mega developments that don't make sense, <laughs> that have been pre-arranged um, and that the people don't necessarily want. So when we went to Berlin, for instance, we thought, oh, we'll be in a tiny theater. It turned out to be a huge theater. And then we thought, oh, my God, this is going to be so embarrassing. There's not going to be anybody there. And then it was full. And then <laughs> at the end of the film, when John walked out, I mean, everybody just stood up and cheered mm-hmm. because it's, it is a universal, it's a universal problem and a universal story. And um, I don't want to give away the end, but, but this was an unusual textbook of how to fight this you know, um, how, how we can all fight this kind of thing. And it, and it means blockading, it means taking to the streets, it means petitioning um, people in, in power, but then it means going to the law. And when it started going to the law, and John was incredibly persistent, mm. then they went after him, badly went after him, and they went after Lisa. Um, it got really, it got really nasty. Yeah, they, 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 they played dirty. With that in mind, I know a lot of environmental activists and journalists in third world countries, Latin America, have been targeted, even assassinated, for fighting big corporate development projects. So did the people of Todos Santos, the um, fishermen, John, feel fear for their safety? And did you feel fear for your safety? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I traveled around for about six months with a restraining order um, so that if I was peremptorily stopped uh, or pulled over, uh, they tried to have me um, kicked out of the country many times. My, my papers were always in order, but it's, it's kind of unsettling to have uniformed men just bang, bang, banging on your door at odd hours. But yeah, I, and I, I went into hiding during one particular hairy weekend. So, but I, I mean, I was lucky, obviously. I was incredibly lucky because it's, it's not a good place to be a journalist in Mexico at no. all. No, 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 it's dangerous. It's not a good place. And, and we did, we did um, consult, what was that journalist group called, Lisa? Any, anyway, this um, protection for journalists. And uh, they recommended that we leave. But uh, Lisa does, is not that kind of a person. And um, nor am I. They they also threatened my daughter, which wasn't fun. And um, mm. my husband uh, owns this house with other people. And uh, you know, I suddenly was worried because it was turning on. You know, they turned up at the house looking for Lisa. My husband had to deny knowing her several occasions. <laughs> Um, it, and, and then they turned on John and they drove up to his house and threatened him in front of his two-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they concocted a legal case against him, faked his signature and put him in jail, denied him bail and kept him there for 95 days. It, it, um, they Again, they got the wrong person. I found out recently that in, when he was in jail, he had his life threatened seriously twice. Um, and he was told the first time, well, look, if, you know, if you, if you take back these lawsuits, if you stop doing this, everything will be fine. It'll all be great. You can be out of here tomorrow. And this was from the son of a state senator who was in there. And John just looked at him and said, I'm not interested. 
And that takes that takes in, immense guts. He has mm. kids. He has a wife. You know, he has a life. Um, it took a huge amount of guts to do that. There was such a centeredness about him, such a can-do centeredness about him that you captured it in the film. And he was astute. I mean, he he was only one. I don't know how many people he had in his his law circle, but he did a lot of work to protect these fishermen. And I don't know where he got funded because I'm sure they didn't have the funding. I'm hoping that he got help elsewhere. Did he? Or was it all pro bono? Yeah, just yeah, it was all pro bono. Pro bono. Wow. Yeah. Just just he the expense, the copying expenses you saw when he, you know, was filing those lawsuits and he was carrying around, you know, 18 inches worth of paper for each lawsuit. <laughs> well, yeah. um, I would like Bill to explain to folks how they can watch your movie and then take part in the panel, the uh, Q&A panel that you'll, you will be there at to answer questions. Bill, why don't you let folks listen and know about what's coming up? Yeah. Well, first of all, this is our second film in our series this year, which is Empowering Community. And this film is a perfect example of that, of a textbook of corporate big money interests using their playbook and textbook example of how communities can learn about the things that they need to do to fight back when, uh, you know, they are intruded upon and uh, they are not, did not have any voice in, in, in these things. And so that's why we're with the Community Rights ne Network and one of our things are community rights. So communities should have the right to, to uh, decide what they want in their communities and say no to those things that are harmful to them and water being an issue that's uh, dear to us as well and so many other things and nature, of course, too, and culture. So uh, yeah, this uh, film, uh, if people register Ohio, CRN, that stands for Community Rights Network.org, OhioCRN.org. They'll see a pop up right on the front page there that they can click on and they can register. And when they register, and they can register for free. We ask if they could give a $5 donation so we can keep the series going, but we're not going to stop anybody from, we want people to uh, view the film and participate. So June 24th, and fifth, so the 24th, they will be sent if they register to watch the film, they'll get the link and the password, and they'll have 48 hours to watch the film before our Q&A, which will be on Sunday, June 26th at 2 p.m. And uh, Sarah is going to be on that. And uh, John Moreno, we're so excited, the, the inspiring community lawyer and activist uh, is also going to be on there. There, So, uh, yeah, so people can also get the, they'll get the Zoom link for that where they can uh, join us and uh, ask questions and participate in the Zoom webinar with Sarah and, and John Moreno. Okay, and that's um, Ohio Community Rights Network. And, yeah, OhioCRN. Yeah. OhioCRN.org. .org, yes. Thank you, Bill. I'm going to go back to the filmmakers. How long have you two been collaborating as um, making films together? About five or six years. Okay. Yeah. Just think, recently then? Maybe well, more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've known each other for years. Yeah. Because we both been a lot of for HBO and uh, just been in the same docu-circles. I would like to hear what what challenges there are for women documentarians. Let's start with you, Sarah. Um, well, Lisa and I were lucky enough to um, work for HBO, which 
the head of documentaries there was Sheila Nevins, who's uh, now at MTV and um, is, she has played a huge part in creating the interest in documentaries in America. And she always supported young women. I mean, she, Lisa and I started working for her um, very early on. And so we were lucky, I would say. Um, but no, there are still there are still challenges. It's still not easy. It's not easy making documentaries in, in general. HBO is one of the very few places that will fund them. So no, it, 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 it's tough, which is why there are, you know, New York Women in Film and various other organizations to help. Um, Lisa, do you have any advice for folks starting out their career, especially young women? Starting out a film, a film career? Yes. Well, tenacity and really having a passion for it, uh, getting a good technical background, technical grounding. I mean, I was a, a film editor for many years before I uh, became a producer director. So that's a good place to, to start. Um, and I think actually there are a lot of really amazing female documentarians. And I think that one thing we all share is a true compassion for our subjects. And um, uh, you have to be sort of egoless and step aside and let people tell their own stories. And while I'm sure that there, there are men that can, can perform that chameleon act, they're not a lot. I think that it's kind of built into our, psychs, our psyches to, um, to have that compassion and that caring. And, and, and people need to trust you. I found that very much in the people you interviewed. I felt an incredible empathy towards them and their story. I just have one, we have one minute. I'd like you to give folks, if they forget, if they remember nothing else from today, what would you like them to remember? Lisa. Si se puede, which, yes, you can. It's, uh, that was one of the, the great chants down here. Si se puede, yes, you can. And Sarah. Um, I, I, I agree, whether it's making a film or going um, up against uh, mega development or anybody and as an activist, um, just tenacity and sticking to the law and keeping going and not being afraid. You just have to, you just have to take it on. How about you, Bill? Well, uh, it's, <laughs> it's up to us and uh, we can't rely on our elected representatives and sometimes the system that we live under to save us. And it's up to us sometimes to, to uh, change things and make things for the better. Thank you so much for your work, your lifelong work. It's incredible. I hope folks will tune in and uh, sign up to see your film and to join you with the panel. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Marilyn. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRSFM.org and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP, Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.